0: Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tube Show. I'm your host, Devon McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. Thanks so much for listening. This is a lived experience and one that I think is better shared. And if you like the show, consider supporting it by showing me the love on the show link. Every little bit helps. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Welcome to episode 10 of the No Feeding Tube Show. I'm your host Yvonne McLaren and today I'm going to be discussing eating and drinking with others. Now that might mean your family, your friends, going out socially, so I'm I'm going to assume that it, it covers all of those things, uh, and I think it's something that's very dear to all of our hearts because it is, it's is—it's one thing that doesn't really get discussed too much uh, in the medical environment about what happens either during, uh, post, uh, pre, with your eating and what happens with your life um, after having head and neck cancer treatment. And where do I even start? Where do you start? How do you start? So part of um, the Mind Food Body Program and the resources that I offer you look to giving you some guidance and some motivation around, really, that's the end goal, getting you back out and having and eating your best food life again after this treatment. So today I want to talk about eating with others and the things that I did and recognised in my process of my own healing and treatment and how I got back out there. Uh, And one of the big things for me was being able to travel again. Uh, and, and in my case, that's internationally because I live in Australia. We've got to travel everywhere and it's, it's a big journey from here because we are so far away from everybody. There's a lot of regional travel as well. But for me particularly, it was about in, international travel. So if you're enjoying the show, help me out by um, buying me a cup of coffee. There's a little heart logo there on the show episode And every little bit helps. It just, you know, keeps me motivated. It also tells me that people are listening. (laughs) Sometimes I just feel as though I'm talking into a bit of a void here. But I'm going to assume people are listening and people are enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, as I say, if you would like to uh, contribute to helping me keep this program going, it would be greatly appreciated. So where do I even start? I think... The most important things that I say to um, clients and other people who reach out to me is you must have a plan. You must have something written down or something in your head or some referral to what you're actually trying to achieve. I, you know, look, and for me in the early days, it was as simple as I just want to get off that peg tube back to oral eating that was one of the first little goals that I had I had no idea how to do that people just kept saying to me just keep eating use your tube and then just keep eating I went, oh, okay um, so having a plan so my plan was really long term so I broke it down into three six twelve uh, two years four years and eight years that's how my planning is set up around how I want my food journey to look like having now completed head and neck cancer treatment. One of the things uh, that we don't seem to ask ourselves in this planning mode is, do you know what your limitations are? Uh, Understanding the implications of your treatment, it's that classic old, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know what to ask because you don't know what's going to happen to you. So I would say to you, uh, understand the implications of your treatment. Ask the hard questions. Are you going to be able to ever get off that peg tube? Are you ever going to be able to swallow? You may already know this because you've had some vast differing surgery and treatment to what I personally had you may have lost all your vocal cords you may have lost all your tongue you may whatever your situation is you still must understand the implications of your treatment so you know what your parameters are going to be and your criteria is going to be when it comes to selecting food now in three months in two years in five years uh and, and into your future, what is that going to look like? And then you can start to prepare, uh, you know, your, your surroundings in your immediate environment to support your new food future. Take control of that situation. I found it really helpful to visualise what was going on with me internally and I did that with the help of a speech language pathologist, asked them to show me on one of those cutaway models what was actually going on in my throat and my esophagus. I looked at the videos when they did barium tests and listened and recorded them talking to me because nine times out of ten I used to forget things. So I recorded what they actually were saying to me so that I could play it back if need be and I could play it back just before I had another medical appointment so that I could remind myself what to ask or what was meant to have happened then and has that happened and am I on track to be ensuring that I'm eating as well as I possibly could be um, you know asking those hard questions and knowing the parameters is going to dictate to you the likely parameters and what the outcome is going to be so you work out where you are on your pathway and and have in your mind an ultimate end goal. So having a plan, I've found that really, really useful. Now, if that's the point of starting, I think something else that I, you know, sometimes I'm hesitant about talking about this particular area about knowing this and here's what to expect, because I think often. As treatment patients, we're not told because our medical team doesn't actually know uh, or they do know and they don't want to overwhelm us or they don't quite know how you personally are going to respond to something so they don't tell us. Uh, There are so many different things in play there that I'm just going to talk to you about eight things that I know happened to me and I have since read, researched, and also know from discussions with others that this has happened to them. And in many ways, this is the whole purpose of uh, the Mind Food Body Program and why I'm doing this, why I'm trying to support and help people, because it's about eating socially. How do you... Make sure that you've got a plan and steps in place to get you eating out socially with other people. And these are the sorts of things that are going to be against you. You're going to have a loss of pleasure in food. There's going to be little flavour and probably a great deal of lack of interest in actually eating. There's an increased effort in eating. It can no longer be that absent-minded pastime of past days. You'll have food memories which cause distress and might trigger emotions. Your food routines of purchasing and preparation will be altered. You'll need to relearn how to cook, possibly, how much to cook and what to cook. So as you can see, you know, your your entire food life and journey is going to be quite, quite different to what it was before. And as a carer, if you're listening to this, bear that in mind. You know, the person that you're caring for. Is going through grief and loss, and probably fear. Um, you know, there's there's a fear of uh, food becoming a danger, a hazard. It's a chore. It's something to be solved, and it's isolating, and it's antisocial at its very best. You know, going out and clearing debris out of your mouth isn't exactly socially engaging. So it becomes a very insular experience. And it becomes insular because you have to really pay attention and focus to the texture in your mouth. Uh, Long gone are the days where you could just shovel things into your mouth, listen to the conversation, respond appropriately, breathe, swallow and and be assured that you're not going to choke and end up on the floor. Uh, Now, we all know that and we can all relate to that. Um... You have to deliberately manage that act of swallowing. It becomes mindful eating out of necessity and not joining in with conversation because of those things. You need to concentrate on what you're doing, not necessarily on the conversation or what people are asking you. And I'll just tell you this funny story at my niece's wedding recently. um, You know, I was surrounded by family and friends pretty much And there was a man next to me who I know quite well and I was explaining to him. I'd sat myself away from the bigger group and I had a glass of sparkling uh, champagne if you're living in France and I was just starting to eat some of the finger food. And I explained to my friend, I said, oh look, just so you're aware, I can't um, eat, drink and talk at the same time. I have to do one or the other. So don't think I'm being rude uh, as I took a small mouthful of Uh, One, and he continued to talk to me and he continued to ask me questions and I said um I I really can't answer you know and he continued to ask now I don't know why I wasn't being very clear but what it did highlight for me was it doesn't matter whether you actually say to people in a social situation hey look by the way I'm not able to talk to you or converse with you or anyone else in the group whilst I'm eating because I just can't do two things at once. Um, I talk about some ideas and top tips later in the discussion here, but... I just wanted to tell you that little story about someone who knew me, knew what I'd been through and despite me actually saying them to them, to their face, this is the difficulties that I suffer, they continue <laughs> to ask me questions. Maybe they'd had too much champagne, I don't know. So know that they're the list of things that you're likely to experience and as a carer, the list of things that you're loved one, spouse, uh, person that you're looking after is likely to experience as well. So what do I suggest about social eating and eating and drinking in front of others? Here's what I've learnt. You have to come to terms with the fact that you are just not that same food person anymore. There are different processes uh, for you as a partnered person or a single person or not having a close circle of supportive friends around you, it all affects how you're going to manage this process going forward and how you eat out socially. You're likely to be experiencing embarrassment, fear, loneliness, doubt, self-consciousness, lack of confidence, anxiety, and a reduced social life. Now, all those things happen to me, and one by one I deal with them and work through them and... Find myself strategies that work for me, and I um, use those strategies when I'm out. And the more you practice, and the sooner you do it, and the more confidence you have, the better you are going to be at doing this. So, my best advice is to um, my best advice in, in providing this information for you is to not isolate yourself. Get back out there as soon as you can and start sharing food and drink. Involve others in your journey and be upfront about what you're going through. Uh, in the sales and marketing world, there's a thing called a, a, a sometimes called an elevator pitch. And often we are taught to use that if we are pitching our business, our CV, ourselves, our brand to an audience in a very short amount of time. And you really need to come up with an elevator pitch, if you like. And that's the pitch that you use for all those people that you come across in your life that run hotels, run restaurants, run bars, run clubs, run pubs, cafes, likely airlines, anywhere that you're travelling Have your elevator pitch down pat. Make sure you know what it is and make sure that it contains the right amount of information to convey what's going on with you. My elevator pitch, for example, is, Hi, I'm Yvonne. Look, I've had some head and neck cancer treatment and I have trouble swallowing as a result. Uh, They've removed a bit of my tongue. They've radiated my throat. And all these side effects affect the way that I... um, Eat. So things like moisture, acidity, texture, temperature uh, are all part of the things that I have to consider when I'm swallowing. And I leave it at that. Nine times out of ten, people love to help and they jump in. They go, Great, we'll help you. Um, They'll they'll often run their fingers down the menu with you trying to help you, uh, and that's priceless. We know that that very rarely works, but you know, Kudos to them, encourage that, get them involved, talk to them about your situation. And if you're a bit of a wallflower and a bit embarrassed and don't really want to do this, you could create something uh, which I put in the um, free resource here around eating with others. It's actually a communications card and you can write all this down and laminate it if you like. And have a few of those ready in your bag or your pocket of your jeans or whatever you wear out socially. And give it to people in the venue so that they can just read, dot point, what's going on with you. Uh, You know, that, that can be another way of actually communicating what your needs are without you actually physically having to say anything. So a social eating card might be the way for you to go. Uh, My top tips, and in wrapping up this episode, I think you need to take control of your situation. When you start to feel like you're in control of what's going on, it gives you more confidence to try other things. So, you know, um, taking control of the situation... Contacting restaurants, cafes, places of travel in advance. Be upfront about your situation. People genuinely love to help you. Know your limitations so that you can manage them easily when you're out, i.e. just stick to soup if that's something that you know you can deal with well. Practice at home with close family and friends and that's when you practice foods that you think you may not be able to uh, manage. I was always, always and still am to this day at the food that I can manage to swallow uh, and chew, often sometimes too, without becoming fatigued or bored or choking. Um, Practising that at home is a really, really good way and practising it with close friends, even out in restaurants, is a really good way to make sure that you are pushing your boundaries and that's my last tip be brave be confident and push those boundaries so that's today's episode eating with others i hope you've enjoyed that thanks for joining me thanks for listening eat well continue to eat well everybody and in the show notes i'll leave the free resource guide entitled eating with others for you to download at your leisure until the next episode uh, As I say, eat well, everybody, and um, thanks for joining. Speak soon. Bye-bye.